Hello everyone and thank you for joining us for Northumberland FA podcast from the sidelines. Uh, special guest today, uh, I'm pleased to say we've got Peter Ramage, uh, Newcastle United's current assistant under 23 coach uh, and former Newcastle United, QPR, Crystal Palace, Barnsley, uh, Kerala Blasters in India, uh, Coventry, Phoenix Rising in America and Arizona United as a coach. Uh, Peter, over the moon to have you today. Thanks for having us, Gary. Um, so just for the listeners, we're just going to sort of look back at, at where it all started for you, Peter, uh, in your in your in your playing career, uh, and and move through the the years and get to where you get to where you are uh, now. Yeah. Um, and, and am I right in saying that when you started playing grassroots, um, you were at Cramlington? Uh, yes and no. No, in terms of, I actually began, I used to live up in Berwick-upon-Tweed. So that's where I began uh, playing football. Um, my dad was my coach along with one of my friends, uh, his dad. Um, so yeah, growing up in Berwick, we, that was where I kind of began and, and got scouted. My dad actually worked in Gosforth, so I used to travel up and down the A1 um, in the mornings and at night. So it was, uh, it was a tough ride for him. And when we eventually moved down to Newcastle is when I joined Crammy Juniors. And we look at role models within within the game. Um, you know, at that stage of your career, um, going from grassroots into Newcastle United Academy, um, how important were were them coaching role models that you looked up to? And when you look back now, maybe it's had some influence on what you became and, and what you're doing now. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, first and foremost, my dad was a big influence on in me. Um, I mean, he was kind of my first coach. Um, but, he, I mean, he was a rugby man. My dad used to, used to be an international rugby referee and, uh, and refereed rugby on a Saturday and took the kids' football on a Sunday. Um, but he was the first one that kind of just let me do whatever I wanted to do. You know, obviously he tried to get me down the rugby route, but didn't quite fancy getting hit by some big six-foot-five ugly second-row guy. So... I went down the football route, but he was he was brilliant supporting me as my, as was my mum, you know, driving me up and down the road to uh, to games, um, along with my granddad. But then, you know, when I came into the came down at Crammy Juniors, it was uh, two old blokes called Keith and Chad, who were I don't know if anybody's come across them, they were brilliant. Um, but then when I actually went into Newcastle, it was uh, John Carver was my first coach, uh, and JC was was brilliant. Um, you know, even for a 11 and 12 year old going into the, at the academy at that at that age, um, it was daunting for me. But he was he was brilliant um, and kind of followed the way through. Um, so he was, you know, he was the under 19s coach when I was in the under 17s with Al Nervine, um, who is probably still to this day one of the best coaches I've come across. Uh, and Alan and you know, I was just being blessed over the course of that, you know, time of my of my career. You know, at young age, to uh, to come across some some really really good coaches uh, who helped develop me as a player and as well as a person. What would you say the traits were that Alan had that had such an influence? And you obviously speaking out about them today. Peter? Yeah, I mean, Alan was somewhat of a disciplinarian, but in a in a in a great way. You know, you knew where you stood with Alan. Um, he was. He was what we needed, I think, at that moment in time. Um, and to, as, as an age-wise, he uh, technically and tactically, 
got us well prepared for, for football and life, but also he, had, he got us um, all prepared for life in general. Um, I think the world's a big, ugly place and you know not all of us were going to make it as footballers. Um, and what he did really well was prepare for uh, prepare us with with great life skills to be able to succeed in whatever field that we uh, that we ended up being in. Some of us obviously went on to to play professional football. Some some didn't, and some kind of fell by the wayside in that respect. But have gone on to be successful in in whatever field that they've done. And I think that for me was the biggest um, thing that I took from Marlon was that you know you you've got to be as the old blacks say, better men make better or better. Uh, Better men make better all back. So that's kind of what Alan uh, Alan really imprinted on us. I suppose just what you spoke about there, Peter, was that whatever level we're coaching at, whether it's at a, at a professional club or grassroots, it's it's developing the individual, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, not everybody, no, no, not everybody's the same. Everybody comes from different backgrounds. Um, you know, we all. We all come together in line under one team, but we all come from different different areas, different countries, different cultures and things like that. But, you know, we all have one common goal and that is so, at that time was to become professional footballers, but it was to become, you know, better humans as well. And and again, like I said, Alan was was brilliant at that. Um, just making sure that we had the uh, the skills to, to go and do whatever we wanted to do. But first and foremost, he, you know, as a football coach, he was still, like I said before, probably one of the best I've come across in, in terms of how he, um, how he coached, how he delivered his sessions, how he planned and prepared his sessions, and then, you know, how he made us winners. Mm. So you're coming through the academy system and you made your first team debut in 2005 is that right yeah yeah so was, course. was was alan your academy manager then no uh alan was he came uh, i think alan left when i was in the my second or third year so i was under 19s back then it was he was my obviously our coach at under 17s um and then under 19s we had uh, kenny wharton and peter beardsley who were two um fantastic coaches uh, you know, I really, we kind of went uh, out of the fire and into the firing pan with with Pete and Ken. Uh, with Pete and Ken, it was it was brilliant to have them two uh, under 19s and then transitioned into the reserves with Tommy Craig. Uh, by that time, I think Alan had kind of left uh, to go to Everton with with obviously David Moyes and um, I think at that moment in time it was it was Glenn Roder that came in as the academy director and. You know, transitioned into the first team under Graham Souness. Well, firstly under Bobby Robson. Um, never really played under Bobby. I was involved in, in a couple of squad squads, but it was Graham Souness that gave him my first team debut. And what was that like, Pete? Uh, it was a dream come true. Um, yeah. I know it's the age-old saying that uh, I was a, you know, I was a, I was a fan first and foremost. I'd been on the terraces in the East End with my auntie and uncles. Uh, since as as long as I can remember, you know, way back into the kind of late 80s, early 90s was when I was going to games. So to actually come through, uh, through the system all the way through the age groups and then, you know, finally make my debut and run out in front of, um, you know, friends and family as well as the uh, the, the Newcastle fans was, was a, a literally a dream come true. And the... You're obviously, you're, you're getting your first team debut. What, what, what was the support that you got from... Um, Peter and Kenny from that transition from you know the under 19s 
into the first team. What did they have to, you know, how did they support you with that? Pete, they were, Pete and Kerry were brilliant. They just, they gave you, a, they just kind of refined the tools that, that Alan had given you uh, in the under 17s to make you, you know, more resilient um, to, to kind of the atmosphere of playing first team football. Um, you know, you, then you moved into the reserves where you were playing against, back then you were playing against, you know, some international superstars. Um, funny enough, I was just with, uh, the other day I had a, we had Jack Barmby, who's Nicky Barmby's son out in Phoenix. And I just met him the other day and Nicky was, Nicky was with him. We were chatting and talking about it. And uh, I came across a game not so long ago uh, on the, on one of the websites that, that I played against Leeds United and Nicky Barmby was in the team. And that's what Pete and Ken were getting you ready for, was to play against, you know, superstars like like him. And um, when I look back at, you know, games that I played in the reserves, you know, you're playing against some hardened internationals, hardened experienced pros. And, uh, and Pete in particular was was brilliant at that, obviously being a, a superstar himself. And uh, it was great to to have them to kind of give you the, uh, give you the confidence to go out and play against these players. Peter, do you think we'll miss that that competition now? You know, as 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 we we've just discussed before we come on the call, the, the under twenty threes. But are we missing that competition for the younger players, as you say, who you were playing against back then, which really set you up for if you went on to make a. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do somewhat think we are. Um, you know, we do come across you know teams in particular uh, when we play away from home. The teams at home are playing. In, you know some uh, first team players. You know to name two clubs in particular that do it do it really really well. The Leeds and, and Crystal Palace. You know we went down to Palace. Uh, James Tompkins, James McCarthy, uh, no McCarthy, sorry, uh, and Riedervel were playing. You coming up against Leeds and they had you know four. I think it was four or five first team players playing against uh, our under 23. So we do come across it. Um, but I mean I go back to my experience and it was it was great to play against these kind of players. Um, I remember even coming up against Big Dunk when we played against Everton. Uh, coming off the, the pitch as a young 18, 19-year-old, absolutely battered and bruised. And I think that's where these players, you know, they'll gain confidence in knowing that they can actually compete in, against these kind of, um, like I said, hardened season pros. Yeah, absolutely, Peter. Um, you, you mentioned it earlier there, you played under the great grand Glenn Roder at Newcastle. Uh, who we sadly uh, lost not long ago. Uh, what type of manager uh, was he like to play under and the traits that, that, that Glenn had as a manager? Um, I think for me as a young player coming through, uh, it, Glenn was, I couldn't have asked for a better coach as well as a better manager. Um, obviously, he's a Newcastle legend as a player, a centre-half, as I was coming through, centre-half. Um, but he was a cultured centre off as well, so uh, I wasn't always playing. Um, you know, in the middle, I was either sometimes playing on the left, playing on the right. But Glenn was was a cultured player that probably could have played on the left and on the right with no, you know, with no issues. And that's what he gave me the confidence to be able to do to go out and play. And I think it was one weekend or one week I played right back against Man United, centre off in the midweek, and then left back at the weekend after. So, but Glenn had the confidence in me, um, give me the the ability to be able to go and play um, them different positions and uh, and kind of do it seamlessly, which you know followed me throughout my career, having that kind of versatility and and that really stemmed from um, what Glenn gave me on the on the training pitch, you know, taking me out for extra practice uh, at the weekend uh, during the week. Sorry, 
you know, particularly when I was playing at left back, you know, being able to whip balls in uh, into the box. You had Alan Shearer trying to get on the end of them, and if he didn't put the ball in the box, he soon found out about it. Um, <laughs> so he had to learn to cross. So Glenn would take me out and practice, you know, crossing with my left foot and cutting back and crossing in swingers with my right foot, and equally, you know, the same down the other side. But then. You know, giving me the opposite, uh, the opportunity to play centre back as well with you know other, another young centre half at the time, Stephen Taylor. Um, it was great for the two of us coming through to have somebody of that experience and uh, and knowledge to to work from. Brilliant, yeah. Um, Kevin Keegan uh, played a fantastic attacking style of football. Um, what was that time being involved with that type of? Uh, I, w- I would imagine, you know, the, the training schedule, the types of players. What was that environment like at that time? Uh, it was an incredible environment. I mean, unfortunately, though, I was injured at the time. I'd done my cruciate earlier on in the season when, when Sam Allardyce was the manager. So I basically missed uh, most of that season. It was not until the, the tail end of the season when I got back fit and was, a, you know, reintroduced to the squad. And he was, he was obviously then the manager at the time. But the biggest... Um, impression that he left on me was the time I was actually coming back from injury. Um, Chris Newton was doing a lot of work with me individually just to get me up to speed and ready to go back into the training. But, you know, that was in the morning when when sessions were going on. And But in the afternoon when I was kind of doing my gym work, um, King Kev and, and Terry Mack would take me and Derek Wright into the, into the indoor area and we'd be playing head tennis for two, three, four hours. You know, they were, they were the they were the kings of the court and and that was just the biggest thing that for me was that he actually took time out of his own schedule just to come and uh, and help me come back into the into the team and um you know then when obviously i came back in uh, i wasn't going to play because i wasn't ready but then you know i was coming to the end of my contract he offered me a new deal but at that moment in time i didn't think i was going to be playing regularly the season after um, so whilst the, the, the offer of the contract was always on the table, you know, he did make it kind of known I wasn't going to play and then I kind of should seek, you know, to go and play elsewhere. But he did leave it with that, you know, until I did actually sign somewhere else that that contract would be there and I'd be welcomed and I'd be fighting for a spot just like anybody else, which for me gave me great confidence and uh, and that if I didn't find something, I had something still at Newcastle with him. So a little bit from a distance from yourself, but what was it that KK did uh, and Terry Mack did around the club uh, on a a training day that, you know, possibly something that you you might use now um, because he had some fantastic players there. And I can just imagine that, you know, from when training started at 10, 30, 11 o'clock, there was just a, a, a complete buzz and a positive environment there at, at all times yeah like yeah it was i mean we had some fantastic coaches as well you know we had chris we had nigel pearson we had you know some uh, unbelievable people in the building and um he allowed them to do all the tactical stuff when it came to the good old tried and tested five sizes when he came alive and you know there was all sorts going on the games and but what he did, you know, make, maintain was that they were all played at a high intensity. So when it did come to game day on a on a Saturday or whenever the match day was, that where everybody was ready and, and raring to go. And he just had this unique ability to to instill you with confidence that you could be coming up against Real Madrid or Rotherham, but you were going to be out there and um, and, and be able to perform at your best. And 
have that confidence to go out and express yourself with, with kind of no fear. Uh, no fear. Yeah, you, you've mentioned some some really top coaches there just in the last last few minutes, Pete. Uh, so throughout your playing career, um, what sort of traits have you now are you using uh, that you've taken from from the likes of them the, these coaches that you've uh, and managers that you've played under? Uh, to help you and support you in your development now? Uh, I think the biggest one for me is just the the kind of the human aspect. Um, you know, if you want to use the, the FA's four corner model, it's the, the kind of social aspect of coaching because, you know, we used to have some um, fantastic people in the background that are able to help with the kind of the video analysis, the, the sports science department. But um, for me, it's actually... The social aspect of, of being a coach to be able to give the players the the freedom to go out and express themselves on a daily basis in training but then go out on a pitch on a whenever the match day is and uh, and be be free of any of any worries because they've had the the support from all the staff uh, and they build up to the games and and that over my my time as a player is kind of the one trait i've taken from um from all the coaches and managers that i've worked with is uh, is how to deal with players emotions Sometimes they need to kick up the backside. Sometimes they need an arm around the shoulder. And you know, some of the coaches I had have had a um, a real um, a real kind of master of that trait. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of one in particular, Neil Warnick, that I work with at QPR, who is unbelievable at that. He just knew how to how to get a group of players going and working, and you know, being successful. You know, my time at QPR, we had the, the mercurial talent of Adele Tarap who, who needed that arm around the shoulder, needed the extra day off here and there for whatever reason. But then mm-hmm. he had Sean Derry and uh, Clint Hill who needed that kick up the backside and, and needed to be pushed and needed to mm-hmm. be uh, tested. Um, so he in particular was one that kind of real imprinted on me on how to, to manage the group. Uh, and that's what I kind of like to try and think that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good at here, uh, here at the moment. Yeah, um, I'm right in saying you completed your coaching qualifications when you were playing, and you completed yeah. your A license in 2016. Yeah, I did. It was. It was I actually began my B license where I, I tore my, my cruciate again when I was uh, at QPR, and at that moment in time, I was I was down in London on my own. Um, my wife, uh, who was my girlfriend at the time, was still up here, so I had a lot of downtime. Um, a lot of empty space to, to think. So I just thought I'd begin them. It was always something that I was keen on uh, on doing. Um, so I began them when I was playing and I kind of got the bug for it straight away. Um, so just continued it after finishing my B licence. I just went straight on to, to do my A licence. Uh, and I thought it was uh, going to be key for me as a, as a player transitioning and a coach if I had them ready and available to go and you know apply for jobs if, if need be. Uh, instead of you know trying to to kind of work towards them um, when I finish, and I'm glad that I did do it. Um, it gave me a, a better insight into the game itself as a player. Um, you know, going into the latter stages of my career, it, it really helped me having that uh, ability to be able to understand what managers are thinking and how they're planning and preparing and why they're doing some uh, certain sessions on one day and not on another day. So having that knowledge from the courses was. Uh, was great for me as a player and then you know when I did finish um, there was no kind of uh, transition period into learning my or getting the badges it was they were there and, and I had them 
And during that time, um, did you have any mentors that supported you through that process and through the qualifications? Yeah, um, a big one was Ben Garner, who was uh, when I was doing my A license was at Crystal Palace, and he was um, he was firstly he was with the kind of the youth team, then he transitioned into the first team under Ian Holloway, and so Ben was was huge for for myself. Um, Paddy McCarthy was doing his at the time, Mile Jednak. Uh, Danny Gabadon, there was there was a bit of a group of us at Palace that was going through the A license process, and and Ben was brilliant with all of us. He would allow us to go and watch his sessions. He would, you know, uh, allow us to sit in meetings, allow us to see how he plans, prepares, and delivers sessions. And then, you know, I went on loan to to Barnsley at the time, and um, and then Lee Johnson was again a uh, fantastic role model for me. Uh, I don't know whether I should say that loudly enough with him being a Sunderland manager now, but. Uh, at when he was at Barnsley with him, he was he was great. You know, he arrived and I was injured uh, again, but he knew that I was on my licenses and and allowed me to to come to games and and be part of kind of um, some tactical meetings and things like that. Which um, those two were were really really um, were really good in allowing me to kind of see the other side of the fence. Anything that you can share with us that Lee did particularly well with with you and. Again, you're possibly taking it into your coaching there. Yeah, I mean, he he allowed me to take somewhat of the uh, the kind of the unit based stuff um, in terms of the defenders. Um, you know, it was it was helpful for me because I was coming back from my injury, so I needed the work done myself. So then, just giving me kind of a bag of balls and saying, right, you've got 15 minutes. Um, you're going to come up against um, Bradford and James Hansen, who's a big number nine. We need to do some head and practices. Just put on a drill. Sometimes you'd give me the drills to put on because, um, you know, I was, you know, kind of like a rabbit in the headlights and not sure what to do. And I had some experienced players to, to kind of go out there. So he would give me the, the actual session plan to do. Um, and it was brilliant. He just allowed me to, to do sessions. Um, he got me out on the on an evenings to, to coach with the under-13s with, um, with John Arbin and Mark Bond at the time. Uh, they were there. Uh, so it was great to have... Uh, the confidence of the manager to say, you know, come on, we're going out on the, the evening sessions. You're going to do this part of the session, whether it be a passing drill, whether it be a technical drill, whether it be a, even a tactical drill. So he just um, got me on the grass, got me coaching, put me in uncomfortable situations, gave me uncomfortable scenarios and and kind of made me do it, which is, as a coach, uh, you're always going to make mistakes, um, but you're never going to learn if you don't make them. I was just about to say, Peter, there's, there's no better way of, of learning and developing your knowledge and skills by getting out there on the grass and practising. hundred percent. And what was great about, you know, what Lee was doing with me is that he was giving me exposure to a variety of groups. You know, I had the young under 13s and 14s who, you know, didn't really know the game. So I can get away with, you know, making a mistake in a training session and kind of be able to, to learn on the spot. Um, but then, you know, he was giving me some 26, 27, 28, 30-year-old kind of experienced pros who who knew the game and knew when you were making a mistake. But it was just that kind of variety of um, of age groups it helped me, really did help me and, uh, and exposed me. And like I said, I, I made a lot of mistakes. Um, but you aren't going to learn if you don't make them. And, and he was brilliant in actually identifying what went well in my session, what didn't go well. And... Um, really gave me the confidence to to kind of continue and and coaching. Yeah, um, Pete, did you did you do any work with the younger age groups 
at Newcastle before you before you actually went away to the States. Yeah, how, I did. And how yeah. did that sort of su- support you? In- I was brilliant because I, I kind of uh, I got released from my contract at Phoenix. Um, you know, I'd come to the end of it and uh, didn't get renewed. So I was kind of, I was 34 at the time. Uh, I was just turning 34, wondering what I was going to do next. I did actually want to continue playing. I always had 35 as a, a kind of earmark, retirement age, so to speak. Um, so I got back on the plane, came back, uh, had some options either actually to stay out in the States to play in a couple of other USL sides. Um, had a couple of options back in back here in the UK, but I didn't really fancy going up and down the, the A1 or the M1 um, on a daily basis. Um, but literally no... no Longer had I kind of touched down from from um, from Phoenix that Pete and, and Ben Dawson were on the phone asking me to come in and have a chat and I got offered the part time role with the under 13s working alongside Mark McCutcheon uh, and also doing the day the day release program with with Natalie uh, Terry Mitchell Ian Bogey Steve Harrison and I just thought it was a great opportunity to go and work at the club which you know means so much to me mm-hmm. um, I was going to be in a, you know privy to uh, a really good age group um, in the 13s, but also Ben and Pete wanted me to come and shadow them with the 23s on a, you know on the mornings and then work with the the day release and the the evening program of the, the 13s. So it was just it just felt right. Uh, and you know whilst it was only part time, it was a foot in the door. Um, and Joe Joyce was brilliant and uh, allowing me to just kind of wander and uh, and go and knock on doors and speak to people and uh, and just kind of. Do what I wanted, really, within the within obviously the the role that I obviously got offered, and I just thought it was the right time to to hang them up and, and join that side of the fence. So how did the how did the opportunity to go back to America come come about and do some coaching out there, and what was your experiences like over there? Yeah, it was it was funny. I just. Uh, I got a phone call at 2.30 in the morning from uh, from Rick Shantz. I don't think he quite realised that there's a time difference on the on this side of the Atlantic. Um, but Patrice Carteron, who um, was the manager when I was there, uh, had left and gone to a different club, and, and Rick was the assistant um, and got given the job the job on an interim role to the end of the season. Uh, there, you know, the USL season kind of runs March through till November time. Um, this was kind of the beginning of July. Uh, so I'd done kind of nine, ten months with the as, as a part time, um, but it's part time, and I wanted to be working full time. Um, obviously, unfortunately, at that moment in time, there wasn't an opportunity at Newcastle to to move into a full time role, and uh, you know, I had some real in depth conversations with with Ben and Joe and Pete, and I think just the opportunity to then go out and work in a first team environment where kind of results mean something. Um, at a club where I knew with people that I'd worked with, um, I just thought it was, you know, an opp- too good an opportunity to turn down. It was, it was only a three-month contract to start with. Um, you know, Rick had only got it to the end of the season, depending on how well we were going to do. You know, we luckily enough we went off and uh, we won a kind of the Western Conference Championship and got to the final um, and got beat. But I just thought it was uh, too good an opportunity to turn down. If I didn't do it, then I probably would have regretted it. Uh, and it turned out to be kind of one of the best decisions I made in, uh, in my short time as a coach. And what was that? What was the standard of football like over there, Peter? It's uh, it's it's brilliant. I mean, it's somewhat the level below the MLS. 
Um, I would say it was it's somewhat like the old version of the Reserve League in terms of we have uh, you had like the Seattle Sounders, um, you had the LA Galaxy, uh, you had the Portland Timbers, um, you had their kind of second teams in our league, but then you had the kind of single identity teams like Phoenix Rising, um, you know, New Mexico, uh, Orange County. Uh, so you had some real season season hardened pros in, in the league. Um, the football was played in front of an unbelievable amount of crowds uh, and it's getting better and better and um, it's a lot uh, it's a lot more um, structured now than it was you know when I was playing um, the league like I said it's grown and grown um, it's getting a lot more exposure worldwide uh, and the actual standard of players is getting better and better too um, and it's it's a really good league I had the amount of messages I got from players this side of the pond wanting to go over and play. Um, you know, America used to see this kind of the retirement league, and certainly the MLS anyway. And the USL was somewhat turning into, into that. You know, I can either actually speak from experience as myself, Jordan Stewart, Sean Wright Phillips, Didier Drogba playing in the Phoenix side, all in latter ages of, uh, if, or latter stages of our career. But um, it's getting much better. And, you know, Phoenix itself is, a, is an organisation that's well run, and got an unbelievable um, ownership who have now obviously bought into Ipswich Town as well. So the, the football people um, who know how clubs should run and, uh, and not only is Phoenix grown, but the league's grown itself as well. Any differences from the coaching that you would do in, a, in America to what you're doing back now with the 23s? Yeah, I mean, the 23s obviously under Ben, um, we have obviously our football and philosophy that we've got to kind of work towards um you know we have a a, a program that you know is a it's run yearly which me and me and chris have to kind of run through um whereas out in phoenix it was game by game and you had to win uh to train to win a game on a saturday um you know not that, that's not saying that we're trying to that we don't want to win games at the 23s but we have a, a curriculum that we've got to kind of follow which you know is giving these players all the tools necessary to go out and play first team football but Whereas out in Phoenix, it was results-based. Um, everything was geared towards match day. Um, and it was all the plan and preparing to try and go and win a game and win a championship, um, you know, which we were we were very successful at doing. Um, but now our, our, our remit is to try and get players now up and into the first team and playing first team football. Yeah, so yeah, got the opportunity to come back to your hometown club. Um, what was that like for you, Peter? Yeah, it was great. Um, I actually went when the the lead role came up. It was beginning of two thousand and twenty. Um, I applied for it. Um, more so out of um, I'd never interviewed for a job before in my life. Never auditioned for anything. I was always just offered contracts as playing. So. And the opportunity for me to actually go through a process of interviewing for something was was what I kind of went for. And I got to the final two with Chris, um, who beat me to it and got the lead role at the time. Um, so I went back to Phoenix and then I just got a phone call out of the blue from Ben. Um, I was on my way into training and, and just said that uh, there was going to be a position open as the assistant to the 23s. Would I be interested? I wasn't going to have to interview. So it was kind of going, it was going to be the alpha to me and, you know, had a lot of conversation with guys out of Phoenix. Uh, so I really enjoyed it. My family had settled there. I've got two young girls who 
you know, we're in school. So it wasn't just about me that I had to think about, but it was my wife and my kids. Um, but the opportunity to come home, be around the family as well as um, you know, being back at the football club was was something that I had to take into account. And um, to be honest with you, the conversations didn't really last long. The opportunity to come home was um, was too good to turn down. And how is that working with Chris? It's brilliant. You know, we're, we're two old centre-offs. Um, we've got cuts and bruises all over our face, but... Um, I've really enjoyed working with Chris. He's um, he's a very experienced coach. You know, he's he's had a great um, upbringing in terms of being at Ipswich, um, exposed to to the first team football there. Uh, he's got a great way with the players. I think we work really well in terms of sometimes he needs to be the good cop and I'm the bad cop and vice versa. Um, but with him being the lead, uh, he allows me to express myself as a coach and be myself and. You know, that's one of his big things um, and the biggest compliment is that, you know, whilst he's the lead, we kind of both take take ownership of, of each phase, whether it be, um, you know, unit based stuff, tactical stuff. But um, it's it's been it's been great to work with him and learn from him as well as uh, work with him. Yeah, just just touching on that, you know, there's a lot of discussion around working in pairs. Yeah. So again, right down to grassroots where you might have a, 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 a lead coach and an assistant coach, someone that's supporting the main coach. Uh, how does that work for you and Chris? And, and have you any advice to give coaches that are working together with the, with the team? Uh, the biggest advice would just find a way to, to work together. Um, you know, that might be, you know, so often Chris in the mornings is... Um, it's caught up with with meetings, um, so I go out and set up the session. Uh, Chris often, invariably comes out anyway, and just to get out of out of getting into all these conversations or phone calls or things there, just to get a bit of breath, uh, breathing space. But you've got to find your own way, and uh, there's there's many ways that you can do that. You know, Chris is um, brilliant at kind of planning and preparing sessions, but then he'll drop me, you know, a message say, "Listen, we need a." Defender from wide areas, just think it up, send me it through later on, you know, and I'll send it through, and then we're all ready to go the next morning. Um, so it's just trying to find a niche that works for for you as a as a pair, you know. Is I'd love to say give a magic formula, but there's there's no there's no there's no magic formula. It's just trying to work uh, to the best of your both of your abilities. Like I said, we've got we've got it down where we, you know, we can work together. We work off each other. Uh, there'll be some mornings where I know Chris is he's had a bad night with the kids or he's he's been on a phone call conversation which has annoyed him and so I'll I'll say right what's the session give me the paper I'll you know I'll go and set up or it'll be like right I'll take the phone call conversation you go and get, you know get some space and and set up the session it's just kind of trying to to read each other and work off each other so it's like I said there's no real magical way it's just trying to find that and, uh, and I suppose one thing is trying to to get to know each other off the field as well as on the field. Um, you know, we're both family men, we're both family-orientated people, but and we both kind of found out how how each other works um, off the field as well as on the field. Peter, question question around the, the, the 23s at Newcastle. So how challenging, and we talk about uh, challenging situations within, within our coaching experiences, uh, how challenging for you and Chris around the 23s where you have a mix of young talent that's trying to push on and maybe is 
getting a contract or pushing the first team. And you might have some players that haven't been in the first team squad or haven't played that are coming into your environment to, to train, for uh, get prepared for a game with yourselves. How does yeah. that work? That's it's a, it's a tough because, you know, just like I said before, you have a, a variety of group of players at different stages of their career with, with different emotions running uh, through them. You know, you've, like you said, you've got young players that are coming up and, and wanting to impress yourselves, um, wanting to fight and get into the 23s, wanting to play 23s um, to kind of push into the first team. And you've got, you know, a group of players that might have been there for a couple of years and, and kind of stuck between a... Uh, a rock and a hard place. They're not, you know, ready to go out and play first team football. They're not ready for our first team football, but they need to. They need to continue to learn. And then, like you said, you've got first team players that, to be honest with you, don't really want to be with you. Um, so it comes back to what we talked about before, just trying to find that human aspect of that player and of that person at that moment in time, and and finding what's right for them and how are you going to uh, make sure that they come in and make make use of every day that's uh, it's available on the grass and uh, and in the gym and. You know, it is a hard task. It's really hard. You know, we've had um, experiences of that this season. Um, but when it's when it, I touch on the first team players coming down, you know, we had Henri Sarve and and Christian Atsu in particular that came down towards the kind of the back end of the well after January and back end of the season with us, and were two unbelievable role models for our players um, and how they handled the situation they were dealt with in terms of being um, put with us. Um, not one issue, or not one day did we, day did we have an issue with them. Um, Christian, um, in particular, was absolutely outstanding. Uh, it was really great for me and Chris to see how a, you know, seasoned international trains. You know, he obviously had his injury problems over the course of the, his time at Newcastle as well, so he needed to be managed um, medically as well as uh, as well as physically and uh, on the grass and. Just having the conversations with him, picking his brain on, you know, how can we maybe get the better out of, you know, a younger player or, you know, this player's in, you know, having a, a little bit of a rough, you know, rough ride, you know, what, what advice could you give? And, you know, Christian and Henri were, were brilliant. And they, they demanded from the, the group, because um, if they were going to go off and, and play elsewhere, they needed to be right and ready. And the only way they could be right and ready was if the whole group was performing on a daily basis. And, you know, sometimes we didn't need to really coach because they were, you know, kind of our extension of our coaching staff. Um, and being in that kind of situation myself uh, as a player, uh, a period of my career, was, it was great to see it now from a coach that, you know, these players who are, you know, on a lot of money don't really need to be with us in terms of mentally. Uh, and we understand that, but they came in on a daily basis and, and gave everything both on and off the field. And like I said, we never had a you know one issue with uh, with either of them two, and it, and it kind of drove the rest of the group. Kind of showed some of the guys that thought they were ready to go out and play football that they're not actually ready. Yeah. It showed the younger boys what they needed to be uh, on a daily basis to become, you know, top top quality footballers. Um, so that was the the biggest uh, the biggest gain that I experienced from last season was having, in particular, them two around the the group. Fantastic, Pete. What is the what is the future hold for you? Where would you like to be? Um, that's a good question. Um, and my honest answer, Gary, is I don't know because you know, I, in this game, you never know where the path's mm. going to take you. There's always going to be a crossroad that you're gonna you're gonna come up, and um, there might be a decision that's 
that need to be made on the spot. Just like when I came back um, with the, to work with the under-13s, I thought I was going to you know, smoothly transition into full-time in some role. Phoenix came up, went out to yeah. Phoenix. Uh, all of a sudden, Newcastle came back calling. So maybe one day down the line, I would like to work in a first-team environment. But you know, I've always had a passion for for trying to give our young players the, the chance in this game that I was given. Um, trying to make sure that give them the opportunity to, to experience what I experienced as a player and you know I do see my I, whilst I'm saying I don't know what the future holds I do kind of want to continue in the role I'm in working within the academy um, you know referenced uh, Neil before you know working closely with uh, with Neil and Kev the under 18s it's been great um, so having that opportunity to work with the 18s as well as the 23s is um, working in within the academy at the castle is kind of where I I love being and I want to kind of continue working in the, in the short and medium term future. Absolutely. Well, best of luck, whatever whatever the future holds. Thank you very um, much. And really appreciate you giving up your time, no, Peter, thanks to, for having to me. talk through uh, your story and uh, your, your coaching experience has been a real pleasure. Thank you very much. No, thanks, Gary. Thank you.